Chapter Eight of Sixteenth Century Bristol by John Latimer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight: A shipping disaster which appears to have long obstructed the navigation of the Avon occurred at Hungroad in March, fifteen seventy nine, when a large vessel called the Lion, laden with Spanish salt and oil, struck the rocks and immediately foundered in the river the corporation called on a number of ship captains to superintend the raising of the ship but the measures they took were unavailing and the civic body in great alarm sought the advice of the privy council apparently without result at length in may the hulk was weighed and brought to shore but it soon afterwards slipped back into the river and the situation became even worse than before in spite of heavy expenditure the tidal way was blocked for upwards of a year and was cleared in april fifteen eighty only by tearing the wreck into pieces during the irish rebellions of this period the city suffered severely from the frequent presence of large bodies of soldiers sent down from london for embarkmentation but often detained for weeks by contrary winds the troops impressed from the lowest classes spent their time in debauchery and rioting setting the civic authorities who were required to feed them at defiance in august fifteen seventy nine when six hundred ruffians were lying here the chamberlain paid eight shillings nine dimes for making and setting up a gibbet in high street to terrify the rage of the soldiers who were so unruly both in fighting and killing this grim menace proved so effectual that it was repeated on two subsequent occasions in december of the same year another body of one thousand troops arrived but was speedily got rid of but a fresh batch of five hundred came down in july fifteen eighty and was unable to sail for six weeks during which disorders were of frequent occurrence the insolence of the bravos often bringing them into collisions with pungacious bristolians in which they were sometimes soundly punished the unruly soldiers were not the only trouble of the corporation the government in forwarding the men required the city to provide them not only with rations and pay but sometimes with conduct money when they departed and shipping had also to be hired for their transport in the first of the above cases the outlay was four hundred and eighty three pounds in the second four hundred and forty three and in the third one thousand one hundred and sixty and those large sums cannot have been raised without extreme difficulty the embarrassment was still greater in the year ending michaelmas fifteen eighty one when owing to king philip of spain sending some forces to assist the irish rebels the government dispatched great reinforcements by way of bristol and the corporate expenditure on them was about four thousand pounds in order to recover the money laid out on each continent the chamberlain had to ride up to court and as it was never an easy matter to wring money from the promiscuous queen the unfortunate gentleman had much to endure in following her about to country residences and gratifying the officials for their help in getting his accounts passed 
the following illustrates his vexations september fifteen eighty paid one of my lord treasurer's secretaries for his pains in examining my account for it was very much misliked of and evil taken by my lord treasurer because the charge was so great being one thousand one hundred and sixty pounds eight shillings and eight and three quarters dimes so that two days were spent in trying of the said account which thanks to god could not be faltered in one halfpenny ten shillings how the poor chamberlain who had only a single attendant managed to convey large sums of money safely from london to bristol on one occasion he brought down two thousand five hundred pounds is a mystery but though he was frequently on the road and each journey to and from london occupied three or four days he never encountered a mishap the rebellion partially collapsed in fifteen eighty three when the mayor and his brethren were regaled at the tolsey with a sight of the head of the revolted earl of desmond pickled in a pipkin and on its way to gratify the court it is stated in a previous chapter that the task of paving the streets was at this period laid upon the proprietors of frontages who were severely required to repair one half of the street as far as the gutter that ran down the centre as each owner fulfilled his duty at his own time and in his own fashion the general result must have left much to be desired and in september fifteen seventy nine the corporation initiated a reform the audit book records paid the new picture of the streets as a reward on his making the abode there until he pitches all the streets in the way agreed upon by mr mayor and the alderman and will not take above one and a half dimes per yard and do his work well twenty shillings further items in subsequent years show that the new official was vigorously at work difficulties however arose in localities where there were houses only on one side of the thoroughfare such was the case at redcliffe hill and in may fifteen eighty three the chamberlain paid sixpence to a drummer to get company together to carry stones to mend the highway at that spot the summons was effectual for four months later the civic treasurer dispersed four dimes for ale drank by the mayor and his brethren at redcliffe church style doubtless after an inspection of the repairs the difficulty of communicating with persons at a distance before the establishment of a post office is illustrated by the following item fifteen eighty august paid to savage the foot-post to go to wellington with a letter to the recorder touching the holding of the sessions and if not there to go to wimborne minster where he has a house where he found him and returned with a letter which post was six days upon that journey in very foul weather and i paid him for his pains thirteen shillings four dimes about the close of fifteen eighty the corporation resolved upon petitioning the queen for a new charter empowering them to increase the aldermanic body from six to twelve the matter was placed in the hands of the recorder who was furnished with funds to gratify the courtiers whose help was desirable 
but one of his disbursements proved disappointing one dr wilson it appears received ten pounds upon his undertaking to obtain the queen's signature approving of the scheme but the money was no sooner pocketed than the doctor departed from court and is heard of no more secretary walshingham proved a more trustworthy friend but other influential persons wanted gratifications and the affair still hung fire nearly six months after the wilson collapse when the attorney-general was on a visit to ashton court the corporation sent him a seven-pint bottle of hullock wine and half a pound of sugar desiring to understand his pleasure respecting the delayed patent and remarking that the washingham's secretary had twice sent information that the queen had signed the warrant mr attorney moved perhaps by the present but more by the hope of favours to come promised that the great seal should be appended with all speed and this was actually accomplished in july fifteen eighty one after the civic body had incurred some further expenses in getting bristol styled a city instead of a town the recorder on his arrival with the charter for which he had laid out fifty three pounds was welcomed with a present of two gallons of wine muscadel of candia and another gallon was sent to the attorney-general with the promise of a more substantial reward four hogsheads of wine costing sixteen pounds were next forwarded to secretary walshingham in gratitude for his services ten pounds were given to the secretary's secretary for keeping his master in mind of the subject and five pounds were paid to the attorney-general's clerk for his travail the chamberlain noted that mr attorney and the recorder were still to be suitably recompensed but the following year's audit book is still missing to meet the above expenditure the ancient ordinances dealing rigorously with foreigners that is non-freemen trading in the city were brought into operation the obnoxious class being offered the alternative of paying fines for admission as burgesses or of having their place of business shut down three dyers were mulcted in ten pounds each and two musicians whose mode of gaining a livelihood is shrouded in darkness paid fifty-three shillings four dimes each numerous others were dealt with and the total receipts from the process were sixty-seven pounds eleven shillings in january fifteen eighty one at the opening of the third session of elizabeth's fourth parliament originally convoked nine years previously john popham the senior member for bristol was appointed to fill the vacant office of speaker the proceedings were of a peculiar character when popham's election was suggested the commons were informed that he had been withdrawn from his parliamentary duties by the upper house which claimed his presence there as solicitor-general applications for his release from this service having been made to the lords he was permitted to return to his proper place the corporation of bristol much gratified by the honour bestowed on the city representative presented him with a hogshead of claret popham who had resigned the office of recorder a few years before afterwards became the lord chief justice whose acquisition of littlecote the home of will dayroll was long regarded with deep suspicion by the people of wiltshire 
End of chapter 8